will be in the Gospel of John in chapter 11 and we'll be looking verse through verses 16 to 44 this afternoon. Gospel of John chapter 11, begin reading in verse 16. Then said Didymus, who is called Thomas, who is, who is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Then, when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was near unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who should come into the world. Then when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come, and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, who were with her in the house, and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily, and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, who came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaned in himself, cometh to the, in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people who stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a, about within a napkin or cloth. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him. And let him go. Loving Father, that you would bless the reading of the word and bless the hearing of it as well as we consider this passage this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have a, quite an uh, extensive uh, selection um, as we find this whole narrative runs on for uh, quite a few uh, verses here, uh, some 57 verses. So we'll, we'll take this selection here. Um, which is, I've entitled, Jesus, Resurrection, and Life. Now we know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. 
And he even makes that statement here. And of course it goes to who he is, the Son of God. Jesus made his way from Perea, beyond the Jordan, and it says Bethabra here, um, where he was staying for a period of time with his disciples, and came unto Bethany, the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus was now dead and in the tomb four days. The mourners had come from the area to console the family after the custom of the day. And of course Mary and Martha were grieving and hearing word that Jesus had now arrived. And in their grief they said, If only you had come earlier, Lazarus would not have died. And so the family at Bethany knew that Jesus could have prevented the death of Lazarus. Yet what they did not realize was that his death was all a part of God's plan to glorify the Son. We'll look at three areas here today. First of all, Jesus' arrival at Bethany in verses 16 through 19. Mary and Martha misunderstand Jesus' intentions verses 20 to 21, and then Jesus is troubled in spirit and wept over their unbelief, uh, verses 22 to 44, to close it out. So as we look at this, um, we have to read between the lines sometimes in some of the things that are going on to understand uh, these, um, the narrative. But yet at the same time, there is a great deal of explanation which goes on in the verses itself. So first of all, Jesus arrives at Bethany four days late. And his beloved friend was now dead and buried. Now keeping in mind that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were brothers and sisters. And so they were all one family. And Jesus did know them quite well, as we have already discovered in the first part of the chapter. And uh, he loved them, each one, and they were um, his followers. Um, by any other term, we would call them disciples, and we would understand that they had a close relationship with Jesus, and we know that um, Martha and Mary played a significant role um, in being close to the Lord and ministering to him as well. And so we find that uh, God is using this particular occasion in a way uh, to glorify the Son and that Jesus might show himself to be who he was, the true Messiah of God. As we know that uh, Jesus was ever using these kinds of miracles, this being singular in what it uh, was saying concerning the son that he had power over life and death um, and these miracles did set forth Jesus as the Messiah of God and so let's look here at verse uh, 16 then said Thomas who is called Didymus unto his fellow disciples let us go that we may die with him now this might be an unusual verse as we think about it. Uh, Thomas perhaps uh, misunderstanding the fearfulness of the, and the kind of trouble that Jesus might be walking into um, as he returned to Bethany said that he would be willing to die with the Lord if necessary. And so uh, we might think this uh, quite a bold statement to make of course. And so it might be surprising to us that Thomas, who later uh, doubts the Lord's resurrection, as we remember that he was in, um, he came to, among the disciples after his resurrection, Thomas uh, being there, um, Jesus had a certain interview with him, an encounter with him, and uh, he proved himself by showing his uh, nail prints in his hand and his wound in his side. And uh, Thomas, who doubted, uh, now then says, My Lord and my God. At this particular time, Thomas seems quite bold in his statement. Um, the name Thomas translates as Didymus, which means twin. And I'm not really sure what the significance of that would be unless there happened to be a brother who also was uh, born at the same time as, as Thomas. 
Yet here we find that Thomas is the first one of the twelve to show a kind of royalty or commitment on the surface which is quite admirable. But yet at the same time, it may have been a more fatalistic comment. Um, Because this kind of language either lends itself to courage or it lends itself to pessimism. Now remember, they they had not yet come to Bethany at this particular time when Thomas is talking. Uh, They were still uh, some distance from there um, in the place where Jesus was still waiting on events to unfold. And uh, Thomas and the other disciples knew that if Jesus went toward Bethany, they would perhaps run into the, the religious rulers. Uh, he knew that they would find some problems, and they might even try to capture Jesus or capture the disciples. Um, and so the statement might have been a statement of pessimism. Well, we may as well go and die with Lazarus. Or it might have been he was showing some courage. Uh, But the narrative seems perhaps a little bit more like it was pessimism. But you'll have to make that decision yourself. But either way, uh, we find that Thomas is the first to speak in their returning to Bethany. And so in the rashness or zeal of the moment, perhaps we too have offered some kind of loyalty to Christ. Yet when the opportunity arises, we quickly perhaps fade into the background as much as Thomas might. And so I think it is important that we do see that in the various disciples, there is an application to our own lives as much as we realize that Peter had his uh, presumption and boldness and his very quick willingness to speak and to act, yet he was the first to deny the Lord. So we find that these disciples exercise their human nature quite readily at different times, and Thomas is no exception. Walford comments on this saying, on one level, Thomas reveals ignorance of the uniqueness of Christ's atoning death, not realizing that Jesus was on this mission to fulfill the Father's purpose. On another level, it may be quite prophetic to the destiny of the disciples, that each one of them would ultimately have to give up their life to be an apostle or a disciple of Christ, to follow the Lord especially this inner group, uh, as we would call them, the twelve. The next verse here, verse 17, Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days. Uh, So we find that um, they, of course, uh, Lazarus was sick. They sent messengers unto Jesus and the disciples. So that was one day. They tarried two days, and then there was at least a day's journey to get to Bethany. So that would be four days. Uh, So we find that um, uh, there was uh, this period of time in between. And so Lazarus was already in the grave four days. In other words, there was no question about it. Lazarus was dead. I mean, you wouldn't lay in the grave four days and not be dead. (laughs) <laughs> so um, it, could, it, could, it wasn't like he had a fever and, and they just put him in there and, and uh, he expired perhaps uh, but, or, or maybe he would, he would rouse because of the coolness I think they call that swooning uh, where they kind of rouse in, in, the, in the cool night or in the cool place but no that wasn't the case he was definitely dead four days in the grave uh, so, um, in verse uh, uh, 17 uh, and 18, we see that Bethany was near unto Jerusalem. So, Lazarus being se- uh, four days in the grave, it says in verse 18, Now Bethany was near unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, 
and this is believed to be estimated about two miles as a, in the measurement of a furlong um, and we find that uh, that being the case to walk 15 miles from where Jesus was to Bethany um, having to go through the area we find that it would take a significant time you uh, at least one day to get there <clears throat> and we find also that uh, the mourners would have come probably from Jerusalem uh, they might have been friends or relatives or some, uh, or maybe even paid mourners um, but we find that um, they would have come the Believer's, Believer's Bible Commentary says the fact of Lazarus being in the grave for four days added a proof that he was dead. And we should note here how that God allows that there be no presumption about Lazarus' death. Because in the text it tells us clearly he was four days dead. And so uh, when Jesus does do the miracle... It is obviously a true miracle to raise somebody who'd been dead for four days. And so God allows to, to verify these things in, even in his own scripture. Now concerning the mourners who came from Jerusalem, uh, these mourners uh, being, as I said, perhaps uh, friends, relatives, or even paid mourners, we find that uh, they did grieve and um, provide an adequate mourning for the death of, of Lazarus. Now what might be the significance of this? Well, <clears throat> we know that not everyone takes death very well. We find Mary and Martha were quite upset over their brother's death. Um, and I'm sure you've all been to funerals and you perhaps have noticed that uh, even in our culture and according to our tradition of funerals people act altogether differently many times in funerals uh, some are greatly grieving crying perhaps over the loss of a loved one or perhaps sometimes they would tell stories antidotal stories or do things that might tend to be less than grieving just to kind of somehow handle the grief of the moment so uh, what I'm getting at here is this that the fact that uh, there might have been paid mourners the fact that that some of them came from Jerusalem the fact that there was Jews there as well as those who might have been associated with the religious rulers um, knowing who Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were and that they were a prominent family among the followers of Jesus. And so this all contributes to the fact that uh, the people who were there were actually um, representing the family. Um, and so we find that uh, this sense of grieving and mourning for friends and relatives and Mary and Martha grieving kind of all added to the tension, if you will, of the circumstances. Now why is that significant? Because we find that Jesus becomes quite troubled in spirit over the whole occasion. And we'll talk about that in, in a moment. Um, but as we, as we read on here, uh, in verse um, 19 and following, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort um, them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat in the house. So at this particular time, Martha goes and meets with Jesus, but Jesus has not yet come into the town. Um, and so he's, a, he's, he's not right in the town. He's not even in the house of Mary and Martha. He's outside the area just a little bit. Um, and Martha goes to meet him and says in verse 21, 
Then said Martha unto the Lord, If thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Now so, she, remember she's grieving. She is grieving. She knows that Jesus is able to do miracles. She knows that he can heal. She's witnessed these things herself. She was a part of that group known as the, these, the circle of disciples which followed Jesus and the, and the inner group. Uh, and she, she, uh, she knew all of this. And she says this as much out of grief, perhaps, as out of knowing who Jesus is and what he's capable of. Verse 22, But I know that even now, whatever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Now this sounds on the surface like um, she had some great hope that he was going to do something more. But we have to remember that Lazarus has been dead four days. The reality of the situation is Lazarus is not going to come back out of the grave. And the reality of it is Jesus hasn't done anything like this before uh, in this sense uh, of opening the tomb and of, of, of a dead person walking out. So this is, this is one of the considered perhaps one of the more, if not the greatest, sign miracles which Jesus did. And, and so um, the mourners grieving, the friends and relatives grieving, Mary and Martha grieving, uh, yet the Son of God is there at their side and still they could not be comforted, saying, If you were only here, Lazarus would not have died. And unless you think this is uncommon, you go to any, any funeral and you will find those saying, Oh, I wish something could have been done that my relative might not have died. If she, if she or he had only gotten this kind of treatment or that kind of treatment or had seen a doctor sooner or had taken care of themselves or you could make your own list. Um, they, many times people cannot believe that their loved one has died. They can't believe it. Even though it happens to everybody sooner or later. They cannot believe that their loved one has died. There is something about people dying that we don't, we don't, we seldom get used to it. We practically never. I mean, there are some people, no doubt, who deal with death all the time that it be, they become numb to it, perhaps. But yet even they, under certain circumstances, if people are really close to them and happen to be their mother, their brother, their, their sister or, or father or something, they too may make similar statements that they can't believe it or if only something could have been done and so this should not surprise us that Martha, that Martha says this or that even Mary says it later it should not surprise us uh, that this is being said nor even that um, Martha and Mary think that Jesus is capable of doing something great even that God might use him in some particular way at this occasion. Uh, but yet their faith really is not believing that Jesus was going to raise him from the dead. Uh, the narrative seems to clearly indicate that. And so Jesus' arrival at Bethany. Secondly, Mary and Martha misunderstand Jesus' intentions, you see. They, they misunderstand that. As we read on here, um, in verse 20, now, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat in the house. So here is Mary, she's back in the home. Martha goes to meet Jesus. Then said Martha unto Jesus, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. I mean, how could she deny or doubt the Messiah, you see? And we, we don't doubt or deny that God can do anything and everything. Yet many times we don't always, it's kind of like we say it, but we don't always believe it. If you know what I'm saying. Uh, and 
is that's, that's something very difficult, isn't it? Uh, so Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. So notice here, in the second uh, uh, point here, he, that they do not understand Jesus' intentions. Um, as soon as Martha heard that Jesus has come to the area, she goes to meet him. And so her grief is overwhelming. She makes the statement. Then said Martha unto Jesus, If thou hadst been here, he would not have died. And then we find that, uh, verse 24, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection in the last day. So, um, sometimes faith wants to believe, even uses the right words, but faith needs to grow. Now see, what Martha said was true. If whatever Jesus wanted to do, he could do. I mean, that's true. We often say those kinds of things. God can do anything. Uh, nothing is impossible with God. And um, God is always with me. God can do... God is my protector. We, we use all kinds of words that are true. But is our faith always equal to the words we speak. And see, that's really what is happening here. Martha's, Martha's said all the right things, but her faith wasn't quite equal to the words she was saying. Just as in our nature, I was not either. Um, in other words, faith wants to believe. Faith wants to believe. We want to believe that God can do anything. And we, we say God can do anything. Um, but we too sometimes use words, the words of the Bible, but faith is not yet being mature enough to understand. Faith is not yet mature enough to understand. So we, you know, pick any passage you want to out of the Bible that, that you can confirm. You can say, I believe, I believe, I believe. And that you, you might say that to 99.9 of all the, all the verses in the Bible. Maybe even you would say, I believe 100% everything in the Bible. But yet is your faith equal to every word you read or you speak? Well, see, I'm just saying that to say this. Our faith needs to grow. Our faith needs to grow. Martha's faith needed to grow. Mary's faith needed to grow. And at this particular time, of course, Jesus was doing what? He was manifesting who he was as the Son of God, the Christ, the Anointed of God. That's what he was doing. And his own twelve were having difficulty in places with this thing. Although they gave lip service to it, except perhaps for the fact of Judas, who seems to never have believed it at all. Um, and we find that at this particular time of grieving, Mary and Martha were also not fully up to or equal to the words that they were uttering. And so um, we too do the same thing. The Lord gave her the words she needed to hear even though she did not understand. Now I probably should say that one more time. The Lord gave her the words she needed to hear even though she did not understand. Now what are those words? Well we see here in verse 25 these are the words Jesus saith unto her I am the resurrection and the life he that believeth in me Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Now those are, are great words. Well, they're great words. Um, but Martha's faith was not equal to them. Why? Because she needed to grow into those words. Her faith needed to grow. And... Um, we find that even the words which we speak in the Bible and read and say, I believe, many times we need to grow. That our faith might be equal to the words that we, that we read, that we, that, we, that we might have understanding in those things. 
Now, if we back up here to verse 24, Martha says something. She says, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now, she's not saying the same thing there as Jesus is saying in verse 25. In verse 24, she's saying what, she, what the elders taught her to say in her Jewish faith. And that was that there is a resurrection of the dead after they die. There is a resurrection of the dead. For the just and the unjust. For those who are, are right with God and for those who are, unright with, uh, are not right with God. So that isn't the same. And, and so what do we often do? Sometimes we will say things that we have been taught and think that that is sufficient to what we believe. But in reality, we may not understand fully what Jesus is trying to get through to us. And that's what was the case here. Jesus, in other words, Jesus was giving her the words that she might grow in her faith. And that's what we see. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Those words and, and the rest of them that are given there were words that were needed for faith. Now, where does that put us? Uh, it puts us in the same place. We often are given the words of the Bible and need to grow into them. You know, some people like to accommodate the Bible to other words. To say, well, oh yeah, I believe in, I believe in salvation, but... And then they, they may add words, or they may take words out, or they may say, well, it doesn't mean that, it means this, or something else. And see, what they're doing is they're trying to accommodate what the Bible says to their own thinking. But that really isn't how we're supposed to look at it. We are like Martha and Mary. We have to be given the words of the Bible, and then we have to grow into them by faith. We have to grow up into that, the words that God gives to us. And I'm not saying that... You, maybe you understand everything in the Bible. Uh, I, I'm not saying you don't. But I do know that as Christians, we have to grow into what the Bible has to say. Our words, the words of Christ, the words of God, we have to have faith which grows into them. And, uh, and I think that's significant to the situation here as well. So the Lord gave her the words she needed to hear. He didn't soft soap the situation. He didn't uh, accommodate um, the things he, he, wasn't, he wasn't saying, oh, don't worry about anything, Martha. Everything is going to be okay in time. And, and he didn't say, oh, just come here and we'll have a cup of tea and a piece of cake together. And, and um, um, Lazarus will be okay. He'll go to a better place. Well, haven't you heard that before? You see, that, that's what goes on at funerals too, isn't it? Is that they'll say, oh, well, he was a good person, and they tell a story and some kind of a little thing to make everybody feel good about the person, and they say, oh, he's going to a better place. When in reality, the first he or she may not be going to a better place at all, <laughs> and the good little story has nothing to do with um, the end result for the person who died. Uh, it's just something people do to pacify their themselves in grieving. Jesus didn't seek to do that. He gave her the words she needed to hear. When we come to the Bible, God gives us the words we need to hear that we might grow in that faith which we are required to grow in. And so we find that as he gives this, the word to her that he is the resurrection and the life, these things too she does not fully understand yet. Now, as we come to the third part of this, uh, Martha, Mary and Martha not understanding the full intentions of Jesus, we come to the third part of it. Jesus is troubled in spirit and wept over their unbelief. And as we pick it up in verse 27, 
She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who should come into the world. You see here again, she says something very true, but yet she is not understanding fully what he is saying, because it required her to have greater faith, to believe. Uh, verse 28, And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister secretly saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Now so, so Martha now goes to the house where Mary is. She's still grieving there. And she calls uh, to her sister and she says, Jesus is here. He wants to see you. Come on out and talk to Jesus. And so as soon as she heard that, verse 29, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, see he is still outside of town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, who were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw that Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Now they don't understand either what is going on. The Jews, meaning those who may have been mourners, those who came to comfort, those who were there because they knew the family, those who were friends and relatives, etc. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, uh, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now this sounds very similar to what Mary said. Uh, Martha said, right? Same thing, the very same thing. So you can see that even that Mary and Martha were not thinking any differently. They were in the same place. They were grieving. They, were, they didn't understand why Jesus didn't come sooner. They knew that Lazarus had died. And they were sorrowful that Jesus had not been there to do something. In verse 33, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping who came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now this is kind of a, um, an unusual passage. Um, this groaning in the spirit, this being troubled, and finally his weeping. And there's quite a bit of controversy over just what this is all about. Was Jesus being compassionate toward Mary and Martha, whom he loved, uh, and the loss of um, Lazarus? Or was there more going on here? Uh, actually, the word for groaned and troubled here, this idea of being groan, groaning and troubling in spirit, is a word which, which has the connotation of anger, being, being angry at something. In other words, it's, it, it, it invokes, evokes an emotion greater than simply um, compassion, a compassionate feeling. It's one... Perhaps we would say, I can't believe they don't understand yet. I can't believe that, uh, that I've done all that I have done, and now still I am here, and nobody knows really who I am and what I'm capable of. I can't believe they don't understand I am the Son of God and can do anything. In other words, you see what I mean? This, this emotion that is now invoked within the Lord is more than than what might appear by the mourners or even Mary and Martha. It goes more deeply. It goes to the fact that God sent Jesus to do something and nobody has really gotten the message as fully as he intended. They have not really gotten that message. And so we find that this is a kind of, if we might call it, a righteous anger. Remember, this is, Jesus is the Son of God. He doesn't get angry like we get angry. Remember when he turned over the money changes and when he threw the, those who bought and sold out of the, out of the temple area and, and, and so forth. Uh, he was, that was righteous anger, righteous indignation for making the Father's house um, a house of merchandise. And now his, his anger is kindled again only on this other level that they do not really realize what is happening or who he is or what he is capable of or that he will that he bring that he himself and is living his life to the glory of God and God alone and they do not understand it and so this that is the 
the best that I can understand from this groaning in spirit and troubled in spirit and even the fact that he wept <clears throat> obviously Jesus weeping is not on the same level remember in the garden he sweats great drops of blood his sweating is not even on the same level as, as our human nature no his, his agonies are not the same as ours he came to do something that nobody else could do and he did not shed a tear that was not meant to be shed for the right reason. And, and yes, that is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept, but it carries a great deal of meaning, as this whole passage does, concerning who he was. Then said the Jews, and uh, as we look here, verse 37... Then some of the Jews said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Uh, okay, here is, uh, here is a, a good statement of, of skepticism and unbelief and why didn't you do better? You, you're lacking in who you say you are. You don't measure up to, to what you, you claim. Why didn't he do that? You see, we don't understand in our unbelief what God is doing. Well, these Jews certainly didn't, uh, who made this statement, you see. Uh, and so there was this kind of doubting and skepticism and unbelief. And that too is behind his groaning in spirit, his troubled spirit, and that he wept. Jesus, therefore, again groaning, verse 38, in himself. You see, it continues. Cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. So now he is, he is at the place where Lazarus has died. Um, and uh, so he goes there. Um, Jesus being disturbed emotionally in the sense of his spirit being so troubled over this whole matter. Um, and so in verse um, 39, Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Well, you see, again, this just underscores that Martha didn't understand what he was saying much earlier. She didn't. Her faith wasn't fully mature. And had not fully come to the realization that the Christ, of the Son of God, the Anointed One, who is truly the Messiah, can do anything. God can do anything. I don't want to say this in a wrong way, but I think we're pretty much like Martha and Mary. That we don't either understand fully what God can do, if He wants to do it. We don't. We, 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 we think we do many times. And we pray for it. But we don't. Otherwise, we would have such mature faith that, well, we, we, we would perhaps, we would be uh, doing things even as the disciples did, or the apostles did. Even as much as we recognize, perhaps, that isn't part of this dispensation. But anyway, Martha, Martha only acts as she might do, did naturally. Well, Jesus, you can't open up that grave. He's dead, he smells, he's got an odor, he's, he's decomposing. Uh, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, if thou would believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. See, we come back again to, to who Jesus really is. He's the resurrection and the life. The very thing that Jesus gave her were the words of God. And that's what God gives to us. He gives us those words. And then we, he, he requires us to believe. Well, again, then she is not there. Verse 41. Then took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. So he prays, Jesus prays, and he even prays a kind of prayer that um, says, in effect, 
Lord, I already, uh, Father in heaven, I already know that you know what I know and what I've asked and you're going to do what I ask you to do, but I'm going to say this anyway just so everybody else can see it and hear it. <laughs> I mean, you suppose God gets a little bit tired of being so repetitious toward us in the things that he can do? I've told you to pray and you don't pray and it doesn't happen. Why don't you pray? <laughs> I told you to believe, and you say you believe, but you don't seem to believe, and I'm still waiting for you to believe. <laughs> I think God is, becomes just as uh, anxious toward us. <laughs> and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people who stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. So this is a very unique situation, of course. Jesus is, is truly verifying his whole ministry to them as the true Messiah of God before he goes to the cross. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And, uh, of course, the commentators usually say, if Jesus hadn't spoke the name Lazarus, Everybody would have come forth from the grave. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess perhaps that's true. <laughs> but uh, he did come forth from the grave, of course. Bound hand and foot, with his grave clothes still upon him, and uh, that he was dead, came forth, bound hand and foot, with his grave clothes, and his face was bound in a white cloth, or with a cloth, about the face, uh, Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. And Jesus does what Mary and Martha cannot believe yet. But they see it. Of course, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What Jesus told Martha, that I am the resurrection and the life, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That word of God is what we need to hear. God gives us that because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But then there is also that side of it where Jesus confirms his, his uh, ability to do what only he can do. And in this case... He, he did raise Lazarus from the grave. But of course, it was a kind of resurrection where Lazarus would eventually die again. It was not the resurrection that Matthew point, pointed out earlier, where he, she talked about the resurrection at the last day. It wasn't that one. Because that one would... Uh, means that the, the dead shall rise unto judgment at the last day. And so we find that Jesus confirms. He confirms who he is and that he is the resurrection and the life and he requires faith to believe it. And of course when we stop and think about it, that is what he still requires of those who would believe upon him. He still requires that we believe the word of God. He still requires that we believe who he is as the son of God, the true Messiah, the true Savior. And really this, whole, this day that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ is our way of confirming that upon our own minds and hearts. And I don't know about you, but I think every believer has to reconfirm that in their thinking and in their believing and in their faith because that is what is required of us to know Jesus. That is required of us to know Jesus. We must believe that He is truly the Son of God, the Savior of sinners, 
the one who not only died, but he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the scriptures. Those are the things that we have to continually confirm upon our hearts by faith. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And as believers, while we are still living here in our mortal bodies, we are in the state of faith and grace, which has not yet fully come to consummation and full glorification. And it won't until we go to be with the Lord. And I'm only saying by saying that to say this, that we must persevere in that faith that God has given to us. If we do not, then it means we would be apt to turn away from that faith, as some have, who said they have believed, but now no longer do. And so you see, just like these disciples, there was this continual struggle in their faith to believe and to follow the Lord Jesus. And after he died, of course, it continued. That's why Thomas is so famous for his doubting. But he yet did not, he did, though he doubted, he yet believed. And he confirmed it. And Peter, in his denial, though he denied, he yet confirmed his belief and he believed it. And Paul the Apostle, though he was killing the, the Christians, the followers of the way, yet he confirmed his faith and he continued to confirm his faith and he believed. Do you see what I'm saying? And we never know when that we will be challenged to do the same thing in a more demonstrative way than perhaps what we've ever done before. For there have, there's been many before us who have had to do the same. Jesus, the resurrection and the life. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us. We ask that you will bless it to our hearts and strengthen our faith that we might grow in and mature in that faith which you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.